Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and I'm Powered Trini. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and Amanda. Today we have Laurel Norris with us from the Motherhood Anonymous podcast. How are you doing today, Laurel? Great. How are you guys doing? Oh man, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're trying to keep the kids quiet and all that good stuff so that we can sit here and talk to you. So if you guys hear noise in the background, I'll just go ahead and apologize now. We have four kids and at least two of them are rambunctious as could be and that's the calm to a bunch. So... There might be some noise. <laughs> that might, there will be. Yeah, there will be. <laughs> They're just noisy. Oh, so I wanted to reach out to you and talk to you about number one, your podcast. Number two, your journey, why you jumped into it, and and what your journey through through the foster care and adoptive system has been like. So, so what's your story? I mean, what what brought you into the whole foster care and adoption arena to begin with? Uh, well, for me, it was kind of an accident. Um, because I have, I'm related to my adoptive son's biological mother. So kind of far related, not immediate family, but, um, so they, when a child is removed, as you guys know, when a child is removed from a home, they, they try to reach out to other family members first to see if he can stay with his family. I raised my hand. He's been with me since. So it was kind of an accident. I wasn't actively seeking, um, you know, to be a foster child or to be a foster mom, but um, it was kind of just when when it was the opportunity was given to me, I realized just how, you know, it kind of was like a door to another world. I it was something I'd never really thought about. I I just I wasn't a part of it, so it wasn't really in the forefront of my mind. I knew I always wanted to be a mom, but I didn't. I had really just never considered. I didn't know so much about it, which I think is another reason why it's important for for people like us to try and get the word out so that it is more normalized and it is something that people think about, you know, prior to it, you know, so that it's not just sometimes we get lucky and it can be dropped in our lap, but um, it should be an option all the time for every woman. I think it should be you know, or I could foster or I could adopt to be a mom. You know, that's one of the things that people don't realize. There's a lot of, I think, accidental foster parents out there, <laughs> you know, where it's, whether it's cause I, I'm even my, my own um, dad and stepmom, they end up raising my stepmother's grandson. Yeah. That's who he was. Um, and to this day, I still don't know exactly how to refer to him. Technically he's a step cousin, maybe. <laughs> but there's a lot of that out there, whether it's it's a, a parent, a grandparent, a cousin, a aunt, uncle, all, all those sorts of things. A lot of people end up taking care of kids that aren't biologically theirs because they're in the family. And that, that's, that's something that you just don't hear people talk about a whole lot. But it's a real thing. And, and you guys have been kind of thrown right into the middle of it. Can you tell us how that how that started and, and what that was like for you? Um, well, I... I have, so I, it's funny that you mentioned that you're not sure how, um, 
you got, you know, what your, was it your brother, your stepbrother, step cousin, how he's related to you? Cause I, I had to watch YouTube videos to try to explain to me how, why my, my <laughs> adopted son is actually related to me. And I did find out that he is technically in technical terms. He's my first cousin once removed had to do a lot of research to figure that out, but I finally settled on it. Even the judge didn't, he was like, I don't know what that is. Could you explain please <laughs> what that means? But um, so yes, I have, so he's my first cousin's biological son. So my mother's brother's daughter is my son's biological mom, my mother's brother's daughter. And she's only a couple years younger than me. But, um, you know, kind of just, she kind of got dealt a really bad hand young and had a, an absent father and a mother who'd had a hard life prior. And she was really running in the wrong crowd, I guess, is what she could say. And it was, it was really sad and hard on my family just because we all, you know, it's, it's pretty freaky. Um, to have like sometimes I talking to other women I'm kind of envious almost that they can have you know they could be mad at the bio mom or they could be um you know they can be judgmental of her and they can be they don't have any like deep-seated emotional loving ties <laughs> to the bot their kids bio mom so sometimes I'm like oh man I wish I could just stay mad you know I wish I could just be mad for for my kid or be mad for myself but I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, I had this relationship with my son's bio mom from a very young age. We grew up together. You know, I love her and I, lo I have loved her a lot longer than I, my son has been alive. He's only three. So it was, um, it was pretty wild. For I was a, I was a preschool teacher in college. So I kind of knew about how DCF works. They make you take tests and you know, so you can be vigilant as a teacher to see if you see any behaviors that are strange in children or like ways to identify if there might be a problem at home. So I kind of knew like what their basic formula was in Florida. We're in Florida. And um, when we kind of heard that things were going downhill, I had a feeling that um, there was going to be an issue with her new baby. So um, I guess she'd had you know, a couple incidents, DCF had already been called a, a couple times, but then I think it's their third call on their third call about the same person. They, they head out, they go find the address and they go to the house and he was taken that same night that they went there. It took me three days to become licensed <laughs> as a foster parent. <laughs> I left work and then, um, just focused on that, got that home study done and you know, I was just, I mean, harassing this poor caseworker. Just, I still feel bad about that. And it's been years, but I just wanted to make sure he was, you know, safe. And, um, yeah, she, they told me that, you know, his bio mom, my cousin and, um, the caseworkers at that time who were involved in the case, they, everybody said, Oh, it should just be for a couple weeks. It's just going to be a couple weeks. And I was like, Oh, that's fine. You know, as long as, anybody needs is fine me now I have here I am serving a life sentence but I wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know that feeling. When they say a couple of weeks, I don't always mean like traditional weeks. Yeah, yeah. Couple of weeks, couple of years, yeah. Give or take. Couple of weeks, give or take. Now, has that caused any real issues between you and family? Because I know that sometimes when you take a family placement, that can really cause some strain. We've we've experienced that ourselves. Oh yeah, yeah. I um you know, obviously any, any strain with his biological mom and, and myself has been, it's, I, I, and you know, often I wonder if she ever experiences any issue, <laughs> if she ever feels any stress like I do about it, but it's, you know, it's hard to, I kind of mentioned before, but it's hard, it's really hard to have so many different emotions, so many different feelings for one person and they can be so conflicting but um, I usually find the, the easiest thing for me to do with her is to kind of just stay, let kind of let her come and go as, as she, she pleases. They haven't seen each other in years, but if she does want to see pictures or if she does, you know, she kind of just comes to me. I, I, don't, I don't reach out to her anymore. But um, with my immediate family, um, it has also caused a little bit of strain because I specifically probably be just because my uncle is her is my son's biological mother's father. And he, I, he's, he was an absent father to her and, you know, neglected her, her entire childhood. So I think his actions definitely contributed to the place where she got, where she couldn't be a mom. Um, so I won't let him see, he's not allowed to see my son, my adopted son. He just, I, I've just completed it because I, I think the, you know, the ball may have started rolling there <laughs> and I just don't, you know, I, I've seen the effect of his father, his, his sort of fatherly role. I've seen it. So I don't want it to be involved at all in my adoptive son's life. I'm really just taking the rolling with the punches, <laughs> figuring it out as it comes. Yeah. In our experience, we've, we've seen quite a few situations that ended up in being becoming generational foster care stories. So, you know, I, I can definitely see that some concern with, with passing that, that generational problem on through, through, uh, through their mom. Now, do you, do you have a good relationship with her still? Do you, do you communicate with her often? Does she, she want to be in the kids' lives or in, in your son's life? Sorry, I forget sometimes not everybody has a, a <laughs> I only got the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I only got the one. Just the one. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, we're still definitely in contact. Uh, she doesn't see him, not because she, because I won't allow it, but just because she has other stuff going on, I guess. I don't know. If, and also, too, you know, I really we haven't really had, you know, a heart to heart in-depth conversation about this. I think for, at least for me, it's so sensitive to even just, you know, seeing her face is hard for me. Like, it's just, we have, I'm, I think she does too. I think it shows kind of in, in the communication we do have that we're both harboring, you know, we probably both have a lot to say to each other, but it's just never happened. We'll probably be in our forties before we're able to actually look at that part 
of our lives, our relationship with each other. But she, um, you know, we, we communicate in ways like, you know, she has my number so she can message me. And sometimes it'll be, sometimes it kind of ends up turning kind of like backhanded. I don't know how far deep into the situation, her situation she is right now. I don't know if she's clean. I don't know if she's says she's clean. She's not, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I notice most of her communication with me is kind of circled around money. If she needs some, if she's, she, um, you know, and it's kind of, it kind of hurts sometimes because she'll usually kind of start that conversation with like, um, how's Easton? Oh, Easton is my son's name. She's like, how's Easton? You know, how can I see some pictures? And that, you know, Oh, you know, of course I'll send her 50. And she's like, you know, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) my addiction is Uh, one of those things that just brings that. (laughs) that out in spades and we, we've seen some of that in, in you know our lives and other people that we know's life in the past and and that's for sure but you mentioned something there um about someday being in your 40s and either zoom is doing a wonderful job or you're not quite close to 40 yet <laughs> so i have to ask how old were you when when your son came to live in your house i was 23 i was 23 23 is young to have yeah. somebody hand you a child that you know to take care of in that situation i mean because 23 you're just trying to get started in life you know usually if you're going to college you haven't even finished college yet if you're you know you don't have a career decisions made all that how has that really affected your life you know going forward because that's that's a big change well you know i had this is kind of an embarrassing thing to admit probably but i you know i i envisioned myself as a mother more than I ever envisioned myself in a job and in any, you know, in anything else. Like I always just wanted to be a mom at 23 at at 20. I felt like I was, that's all I wanted still to was to just be a mom. I never had, that was really my main focus. I mean, I got a lot done pretty early on in life. I was already divorced from a first marriage by the time I became a foster mom. And I, um, I did not, I certainly did not feel young. I didn't feel like I was giving anything up. And I had, at the time, I had been trying to conceive with my then fiance and we had so much trouble and I never, I I didn't understand, you know, I was getting very frustrated. (laughs) I was getting very mad, spending all this money on ovulation tests and, you know, having to stay organized and nothing happening. Still not getting pregnant, still not getting pregnant. And then you know, maybe, maybe after a, after several months of trying, just not understanding, I got that call from a caseworker saying, Hey, can a, can your cousin, can your baby cousin come live with you? And I kind of had, it's like, wow, well, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I only have a two bedroom. <laughs> How did that affect your relationship with your fiance at that point? Was he on board with that or? He wasn't uh, at the beginning. Hey guys, we just received news that we made it into the top 100 podcast in the kids and family section. We want to thank you for listening in and sharing the episode with your family and friends. If you'd like to go over to fosterCareNation.com, you can find links that you can share to people. If you'd like to support us in that way, we'd be ever grateful. 
If you'd like to support us monetarily and have a couple dollars, even if it's just one or two dollars a month, you can find us over at patreon.com slash foster care nation. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in and sharing this with your family and friends. Now back to the show. How did that affect your relationship with your fiance at that point? Was he on board with that or? He wasn't uh, at the beginning, but I was, um, you know, I was kind of like sweet, you know, as sweetly as I possibly could have been. I was like, you know, it's either him or you. So here, <laughs> see, he's coming. <laughs> he's going to be here. So either you can get on board or you can. <laughs> it's not going to work out. So. so then real quick, real quick, like he was like, oh, no, that's fine. No, that's good. Yeah, that's that that's a whole different dynamic i think but but just just to be fair i want to point this out there's nothing to be embarrassed to to say that because if you're talking about somebody who who's wanted to have children from a very young age and be a mother um you're looking at one sitting beside me well if you're listening you're not looking but yeah so the one the lady sitting beside me if she had the ability to have a dozen children um we would look like the old woman in the shoe nursery right there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that's i think some people are just born with with certain certain desires in their heart and that's that's one that, that some women just are born with i i imagine some men but i've met less men who wanted to have like a dozen kids yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I joke all the time that one day i'm just gonna have a farm and just have as many that'll fit you know we'll get tents <laughs> if we have to we'll camp <laughs> I don't know if that sounds good to me, but you know, <laughs> if it works, right? Yeah, I don't know if DCF will approve that sleeping situation, but you know, yeah, I just like I'll take them all. We've talked with one uh, one caseworker there in Florida, and we didn't think to ask that question. I don't think, did we? No, <laughs> I don't think we talked about tents. <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's incredible that 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 happened for you at such a young age. You know. To, to bring that into your life and, and make that, that having been something that was so very centric in your life at that time already. Yeah, it definitely felt like, I mean, you know, to, to someone on the outside, it may look like a pretty tragic story, but um, to me, it was just like fairy tale. Like just, I, you know, I really didn't, expect to you know I was getting frustrated to have to just start the process of pregnancy you know I just wanted to get started but then it was it was like oh no you don't even have to worry about that um here's a baby (laughs) (laughs) I was just like here you go you could just take this one but it really brought like it really I think there's a lot of women out there who are like even if we don't have kids you know some some women do it with cats it's just we just want to be we just want to be a mommy there's nothing more fulfilling at all nothing will (laughs) nothing will suffice (laughs) now it sounds like you're the situation you're in almost sounds like uh, a very open adoption did you guys set up an open adoption or is this supposed to be a closed adoption or, or how does that work that was the original intent, actually, to do an open adoption. Um, it was really just because my the my son's bio mom wanted to stop being monitored. So she she was like, "Well, what if we just do an open adoption and you know 
we'll just do it kind of privately and we can talk to the caseworker, see how we can work that out if, if they're not willing to comply. And I was just like, well, you know, what it took, it maybe took two weeks before I was like, well, I'm not going to let the, the baby's not leaving. I'm <laughs> It's like, we're not, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give it back, you know, and I, I know we all feel that way, but, um, I was just, I would have agreed to anything that meant that he could stay with me, but, um, you know, we couldn't even get that far. Anything, you know, I did talk to an attorney, kind of tried to get things moving and I couldn't get, you know, I either couldn't get a hold of her or we could, still could not find his dad. Like we had no it just, it ended up, it ended up with us having to, his mom surrendering rights, and then his dad having his rights terminated. But I mean, I kind of thought that that was going to be the situation anyway, because his biological father had had another son prior and had his rights terminated to that son as well. So I did, I did try to submit that. I did try to mention that to the judge and one time and just say, could we just maybe just for the sake of time, maybe <laughs> could we just do it a little, maybe a little quicker? I think probably the same thing's going to happen again. And the judge was like, no, Laurel, geez, you can't <laughs> assume. <laughs> yeah, right. that's fair enough. You know, the judge has some rules he has to follow. Yeah, I guess he has to be fair and stuff. That's kind of his job. It sounds like you guys, for whatever the the problems are, but in your personal relationship, you you still remain really open with uh with with the bio mom. But have you kind of breached that topic at all with your son yet? I mean, does he does he aware of the of the idea of adoption for as much as a three year old can be? I try. I really tried, um, to keep. I really tried. Maybe when he was like. Maybe when he had been with me at the point of like six months, I tried to do, we tried to do like a FaceTime call with her and I really wanted to see how he would react. And it was extremely upsetting to him. He was just crying and, you know, we couldn't get any words out. Basically we, we, I think we ended the call in under two minutes just because he was completely, it was awful. So that scarred me. I didn't want to show him pictures. You know, I didn't want to actively if she had wanted to see him that would have been one thing you know if she had reached out and said I'd like to see him I that that will always be something I will consider and you know I would like to really the most important thing for me is to just do right by my kid and if he if that's something he's interested in then by all means you know I'm sure I would have been interested to know about her if she wanted to meet me I won't be the one to you know I'm not going to be the one to keep them apart or if they want to facilitate a relationship, that is, I think that's wonderful. More people who love my kid, the better. But, um, I, you know, I haven't actively tried to include her. If she tries to include herself, then that's when we, we kind of face that. But she, after that six month phone call, she, she has not been interested in including herself at all. And I've, I've kind of tried to talk to him because I adopted him in June. So I was really trying to explain to him what was going on. And he is growing really fast and he's getting really smart. And, um, you know, during the, we did it over Zoom, the court hearing, during the court hearing, he asked, he was sitting on my lap so everybody could, you know, the judge and the my attorney could see him and everything. And 
he did ask us, he was like, is this the adoption? But for the longest time, he thought I was going to give him a dolphin. He didn't even know adopted. <laughs> he just, I've, and people are <laughs> telling people that and they were like, uh, well, maybe you should give him a dolphin, like get him a stuffed dolphin or something. Cause he's going to be disappointed. <laughs> and, um, but he did ask us when it was going on. He said, mommy, is this, is this the adoption? He said, yes, this is your adoption. And then uh, maybe, maybe, so he understood that that is what that was. And it wasn't a sea creature. But then like maybe a few days after that, he was sitting in the cart in Publix and I'm grocery shopping. And he just flat out looked at me and asked me, um, if he's, if he's adoption, I think he was like, mommy, am I adoption? And I was like, yes. And it's the very first time that he'd ever like asked me kind of wanted to know more or was interested in something he didn't understand in regards to that. So in the middle of the produce section, I, I was like, well, I got to take it, maybe, you know, try to take advantage of this moment. And in the middle of the produce section, I was like, okay, Easton. Um, so you know how babies grow in mommy's belly? Well, you didn't grow in my belly. You grew in somebody else's belly. And then she gave you to me. So now I have you and I'm your mommy. Do you understand? And he said, he like looked at me for like maybe five seconds and then said, no. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we tried. Uh, you know, at least you're not afraid to ask me. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's a topic that I think every kid that age really needs to to be able, if you, if you kids been adopted, just normalizing that thought in their head. And, and, um, we just talked with, uh, Sonia Martin and some of the things she talked about was having, you know, creating that life book for them to be able to have pictures and, and you know, pictures of bio family in there too, even if it means you have to go stalk their Facebook and steal a, a selfie picture of them or something, you know, there's, there's always those options. And then having a, a library of books around that, that involve adoption as a, as a theme in it. And I'm actually just ordered a book. Our kids are almost getting out of that age range, but um, the guy's name is Josh Ship. I don't know if you're familiar with Josh or not, but he's got a, a pretty big social media presence. He has a really interesting story. He came out of foster care and was adopted, and um, he just finished a book, and he's um, he's been a keynote speaker. I'm pretty certain he's been a TED Talk, uh, invited to do a TED Talk, that sort of stuff, but just in, but, you know, ordered another book that just came out. Um, what is it? the middle of August now, I think it just should be releasing within a day or two. And just from what I know of him, I just know it's going to be a good book. So I ordered it, but it's a kid's book. It's designed for kids to be able to read and normalize the idea of adoption in their own mind. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with Easton, just helping him understand that that's, that's what it is. And it's not a secret and it's not a scary thing because I mean, let's be honest. I remember as kids, you know, my, my, I, there was four of us growing up. I remember my siblings saying, well, you're adopted, you know, like it was a bad thing. <laughs> and as kids, that's, that's something that we just say to each other, but we don't realize that that, that idea pervades throughout our lives a lot of times. And we have this negative stigma around adoption, creating that as a, as a, a positive thing in his world is something that you can do to really normalize that and help him from being, being traumatized by that as much, because as all the research has showed us, even when an infant loses their, their biological family, there's a trauma there that they're going to deal with eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely don't want, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of my family members were like, well, are you going to tell him he's adopted? And I was like, well, of course I'm going to tell him he's adopted. I'm not going to try to lie to him his entire life. I, 
I don't have that kind of, I, I'm very forgetful. I'll probably forget and then just mention one day that he's adopted. Really throw myself under the bus. I was like, of course I'm going to tell him he's adopted. We kind of do the same thing. Um, we have a book that I haven't shown to him yet that we had made with a bunch of, you know, pictures of him when he was in the hospital born and, you know, pictures of both of his parents and just kind of stuff that so that he, if he does, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to give it to him until he, until he asks me, like, I'm going to make sure that he knows that he's adopted, but you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm really not sure if like, I'm really playing it by ear. I don't know how it's going to come up for me to say like, you know, I know who you're, I don't know if he'll ask me if I know who his biological mother is. I don't know. We'll see if he, I'm really leaving it up to him. You know, whenever he, whenever I get the feeling from him, like he's even just curious, then I'll make sure to tell him, but I don't, I've always been afraid to bombard him with information that's one of the things that sonia martin talked to us about she's she mentioned that in her work with kids who've been adopted um that that she's asked a lot of kids how often they think of their birth family and you know i i she asked me i said now maybe at least i would say every week or or every month or something like that and she said you know that's that's a normal guess but the kids she has interviewed and talked to they've all said every day they think about it and so when they get to a certain age, that's a, that's a piece of, of, of knowledge that they have to build around who they are and be able to build from there. And if you don't do that before the teenage years, that can be so very detrimental to a kid not having, you know, having that piece of not being worthy. Why doesn't my mom love me enough? I've heard that question before. And that's such a hard question to answer a young kid. You know, how do you tell a kid that, that it's not their fault? Because, I mean, honestly... I know this isn't a very popular thing to say, but all little kids are technically psychopaths. You know, everything is their fault. <laughs> I'm here to agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm here to agree with that. Everything is their fault, and they're supposed to be able to control everything. That's that's just how the little, a young brain works. And so if they can't control that and they can't make their mom or dad love them enough to take care of them, then it is their fault in their mind. And building that 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 story is so very important before they get to those teenage years where that becomes something totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, they get, they have the same, I, I, you know, most of us, it takes a while to develop trauma that, that is so detrimental that we think about it every single day, that it's something we have to work through every single day. Usually it takes people, you know, at least until like after their first marriage to really develop that kind of trauma. But the, like our kids get it so early on and they have to live with it. Or, I mean, adolescence is bad enough as it is, like, and then having to deal with something like this, like, I try to be so sensitive to him. I try to be so sensitive. That's another thing is, like, I really wanted to talk to other people and kind of see, you know, like, do you deal with the same stuff, too? Like, are you scared for <laughs> are, that you're doing everything right? Are you, are you trying, are you obsessing like I am? Like, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, honey. Yeah. Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> it never stops. It doesn't. I've been being a mom since I was five years old. My first sibling came when I was five and I learned how to make bottles and change diapers and he slept in my bed and 
I can even remember being that little, like, what am I doing? You know, am I like doing the right thing? And that was at five years old. You know, it, it, it doesn't stop. You know, as a parent, you always want to try to do your best for your children, you know, and you do the best that you can at the time. And when you know better than you do better, you know, and mm-hmm. so we're always searching and talking to people because, you know, our children have been through some real heavy trauma, you know, things that I thought, you know, growing up, I should have been in the system and I, and I was not, but the things that I faced, I thought were pretty bad. And then, you know, we had our children and I was like, holy cow, like, how do I even navigate this for them? You know, how do I even take these traumas and and try to help them through it? And it's an ongoing process learning all the time. So it, it never stops. Once, once you get that child in your arms, you're always going to second guess yourself. And I'll go ahead and give you some bad news now. As much as you think that that'll last until they're 18. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I, I've, we've still got CJ is 22. He'll be 22 in May. I don't know. Something yeah. like that. Uh, I know. <laughs> she says it'll be 2010 May. I right, we'll we'll go with her word. Um, I'm the math nerd. She's the date nerd. So, <laughs> but it, it continues on. You you still have those questions. You still have those. Uh, well, as, he turned 22 in May. So yeah. Yeah. He just turned 22. <laughs> I get them straight. It's all good. Seven kids, man. It's I'm doing good to remember. They change every year. Every year their age changes. Cleaning. How much do you clean? Do you clean oh, constantly? Man. All the time? You can only clean so much. The laundry is never done. The dishes are never done. You just, you give that up. There's a manageable level of chaos you have in the house. Yeah. Like someone calls and says, I'll be there in 10 minutes and you run and you clean and you hide as fast as you can. It it, it never stops. So. You do. And the the crazy thing is, is when a worker shows up for a visit or a worker shows up with a kid and, and you're thinking, oh man, my house is a mess. And the truth is some of the houses they take kids out of. Uh, we had one worker or who did um, did our training. I can't remember her name now, but she mentioned that that what what was it? She said um, she said that she could oh, tell the tell size story. and breed of the dog they owned by the poop on the floor. Oh my god! Oh yeah. my gosh! <laughs> yes. So some laundry and dishes is nothing. They don't they, that that doesn't even register on their scale. That is comforting. To know. <laughs> oh my disturbing. god! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jeez. So I used to try to run around and make everything look perfect, and it's just not an obtainable goal. It, mm-hmm. I have too many other important things to do during my day. I mean, yeah, we pick up the house. We don't live in chaos and disarray, but a perfect home. No, that will. That does not exist. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. It's yep. going to be really hard when they all get old and move out and we have to do the cleaning all ourselves. Right. Oh. oh man, I can't wait. Like I keep getting mad. It's bad. I keep, t- I keep getting mad every time I notice that he's grown just because I'm like, you're, I didn't okay that. Like you're not allowed to, why are you growing? Please stop growing. <laughs> and, um, but then every time I complain about it to someone, I'm like, God, he just won't stop growing. And 
I'm not ready for it. And I keep marking the height on the wall. Originally, I was trying to be cute. Now I regret it. It just freaks me out. (laughs) Keeps getting taller. And um, every time I complain about it to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, well, but just wait. Soon he'll do chores. (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) They're like, there's a light. There's a light in the tunnel. But they will never do chores the way you want them to do chores. <laughs> I can promise you that. It doesn't matter how many times you show them. You can make picture boards. You can write down the instructions. <laughs> I promise you it will never be done the way you want it. I never learned to clean and take care of things the way my mom wanted me to until a drill sergeant taught me. So she didn't. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you join the army and, and they'll teach you how to clean properly. But until then, yeah, you just, you, you roll with what you got. You know, you have kids, they're, they, they do what they, what they do and they make messes and you clean up after them as best you can. But, but that's part of life, you know, and I think that's, that's one of those pieces of growing up that you eventually, you kind of let go of those expectations of kids to do perfect things. And you just, you just work with who they are and what they can do and you move forward. And, and that, that spreads into every aspect of these kids' lives because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, all of us have traumas and some of these kids have some real significant traumas. And what's more important, a clean house that's perfect or a kid who's well-adjusted to the, to the traumas they've experienced? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's honestly like, you know, your mom should be, it's a good, happy, healthy home when your mom is yelling at you to clean your room. Like, that's good. That's a good sign. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> I must have grown up in a really healthy house then. <laughs> same. <laughs> That's the same with me. I was going to say, clean your room. You learned how to do that? I, did. I was really good at it, actually, at one point in my life. Hmm. We might have to go back and revisit that. <laughs> if you see on social media, she buys a hat that looks like a drill sergeant hat. You know, just send help. I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> that you are. Smart. That was a good move, man. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we just roll with the punches daily, and that's really all you can do. You know, some days are great and awesome, and other days, you know, are not so great. But it just, you know, we meet our kids. We try, I should preface that, we try to meet our kids where they're at. And on a daily basis, it's different every day. You know, they all have different traumas. They all have different personalities. They're all at different ages, different social lives. And, you know, sometimes you just, you run around like a mad hatter and do the best you can. And that's all you got. Sometimes those are the best days, you know, this weekend's been a pretty busy weekend for for us. And, you know, yesterday morning I got up and took my five and six-year-old son out fishing for the very first time. And, uh, you know, it was we were gone for, I think, two hours. You know, I got up in the morning. My oldest, my 19-year-old wanted to go fishing this morning. My, my 14-year-old wanted to go fishing the same morning, and none of the, neither one of them wanted to get up. My two younger ones got up. We went out, and we just had a blast, you know. We threw a, threw a line in the water on a bobber, and the very first cast that my, my five-year-old um, held the pole, within 30 seconds a fish grabbed it and he got to drag in a fish and it's a little bitty bluegill but it was the most amazing thing to get the opportunity to watch him go through that and, and for all the moments that you struggle with these kids for all the times when you're like dude stop it quit hitting your brother do not put your brother's foot in your mouth and don't bite it for god's sake you know all these conversations you have that you never thought you'd have that those moments are the ones that, that you know you're building memories because 
you know, and I haven't even really talked with Amanda about this yet, but as I was sitting out there with the boys yesterday, I had this, these flashback memories of, of when I did that at the very age with my dad, my dad would take us out and we, we'd go out and go fishing and just spend time. And God knows I had to drive him crazy. You know, he loved to go out hunting and fishing. And here's a five-year-old kid going, dad, 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 can I reel the bobber in now? Can I reel it in? Can I, you know, I had to have driven him crazy, but you know, then, then we, we get in the car to leave and, and there was a young lady telling a story about, about losing her dad. And then they, a couple minutes later, they played a different song. And the song talks about, you know, how, how I wish grandfathers never died. And I'm like, man, it just, it hit me so hard that just the, the impact that you're having in those moments where you're just building that relationship with your kids yeah. and the legacy that you leave behind, especially in those moments where, where you've taken the, the, the initiative to take a child who needed something. And you, you, you're giving him a legacy, especially with what you're doing. It's inside of the same family. So he still gets to know his family. He still gets to know his history. There's so many pieces of that that will be so value, valuable to him years down the road that, that what you're doing is, is so very significant. And at, I'll just reiterate, at such a young age, because at 23, I don't think either one of us was, was terribly um, mature and ready to take on kids of, of trauma. At the same time, we had three at that point. <laughs> we did. We just weren't smart about it. Yeah, you guys have been at it for a while. Are you saying that we don't look like we're 23 anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell with the beard. Well, <laughs> I can't tell. if the microphone wasn't in the way, you could see the gray that's showing up in the middle of the beard. Definitely not 23 anymore, but that's okay. I don't want to be 23 anymore. <laughs> yeah. I've learned yeah. a lot since then. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There was no. Uh, sowing my wild oats was not at all as nearly as exciting and interesting and joyful, great, fulfilling <laughs> as being a mom. So I would have, honestly, I would have done it earlier. Probably would have saved, probably would have saved me some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we know some of those wild oats to realize just how, how valuable parenthood is. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. Oh yeah. Now that I'm doing it, it's like, Oh God, I can't, I don't know. Oh, even the things that my parents don't know. I'm like, Oh, thank God. And now I'll never tell them. I just, I feel so <laughs> like I can really, I can't imagine the stress I put you through. <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. Oh, you'll be imagining it real soon, honey. <laughs> I just thank God that we didn't have camera phones back then. Cause there's almost zero evidence of the stupid things I did. That is important. And in the same way, it's just as important for us to get as much evidence as we can now. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and that's one of the things as technology has come forward, it gives us a lot of those abilities, like you said, to share pictures with, with your cousin, to be able to, to allow her to have some access there in a way that, that is at least healthy for Ethan. Ethan, was that his name? Easton. Easton. I was so close. Easton. Easton, like Weston. Everybody was like, are you going to change his, everybody was going to like, they were like, are you going to change his name? And then no, but I'm going to change his last name and his middle name. He knows his name, you know? And they, everybody was like, you should name it, make his middle name West. <laughs> Easton West. I was like, no, I'm trying to love him. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to give him a good life. <laughs> Not make it worse. <laughs> yeah, middle school is rough. You know, there's certain names you don't give your kids just because middle school is rough. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as, you, as you've walked through this journey looking forward, I mean, um, I know you mentioned that you're not married right now. No, filtered through a couple. So I've got um, 
you know, when I was, when I first took my son in, I was at that time engaged to someone and we had been living together for about a year at, by that point. And, um, you know, he wasn't on board until it was, until, you know, he had to be, then he was, um, but it was almost a blessing in disguise because even though you might have something that works with somebody in one situation, it may not work when there's, you know, a kid, when there's a child involved. So, I mean, if Easton hadn't come along when he did, I may have gone through with my whole plan of getting married to this person and having children with this person. And then by that point, you know, it would have been a lot harder to, to do, do what I did. But I mean, when Easton came along, it really became clear that our parenting styles were completely different. And I was, (laughs) I was not going to, you know, as soon as I saw as soon as I saw him, he just became the most important thing in the world. And it was like, gosh, I really thought that I cared about other things in life up until this point. I thought that I loved, you know, my boyfriends or I thought that I loved my dog. I I mean, yeah, I do, but it's nothing compared to how you feel when you are responsible for a child, when you, you know, when you really are, have the mom, when the mom becomes you, it becomes the most important thing. And it, it, anything that is not good for that, that boy, it was, it was easy to remove. It was easy for me to let go of. So, um, you know, it's just like, I say all the time, like in a million ways that Easton just, you know, just really saved me in so many ways. And that, that was just one of them, you know, that was just one of them. So now I've got, now I um, have made that a part of my life. And um, now I'm dating someone. We're living together now. And my son calls him dad. And he's very, very good to my child. And we have very similar parenting philosophies. So we, you know, it, it's just super important to me for him to grow up in a place where there's, you know, there's not there's just not bad stuff. There's just not, there's not yelling. There's not name calling. There's not, you know, it's just, it's, it's safe. It's safe. It's, he needs to feel safe. These kids need to feel super safe. It's really important for you to put that above like anything. And in doing that for him, you know, for my whole life, I felt like I was always doing for other people and, you know, kind of putting myself on the back burner, but then as a mom, it's like, wow, everything that I do for my kid, when I put him first, I'm really putting myself first too. I'm really doing for myself too. In keeping him safe, you know, we're, we're one. So I, I keep myself safe too. And taking care of him, I feel like I take care of myself. He's, he's helped me immensely in so many ways. Did you grow up with that same sense of safety in your own home? I grew up as a divorced my parents divorced at a very young and my mother was in a domestic, domestic abuse, domestic violence marriage before she met the man she's married to presently. So uh, being young, you know, I saw a lot of that and that was my primary home. So I, um, you know, I thought for a long time that I was actively trying to, to 
move away from that and make sure that, you know, I knew all those flags. So I did, I'm not going to see that, you know, I'll make sure I know it, that it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. You could think it does, but it doesn't. But um, all of a sudden, you know, when your kid is, when your kid is the thing that has to be important and it's not yourself, it's like a veil, it's like clarity. You just automatically get it. At least that's the way it was for me. I was like, well, if I've never been able to, to make sure that I am, if I've never been able to put myself first, I could put him first and he sticks with me. So that's, it's been, we've been on a wild ride and it was really, it was rough for me, um, you know, pulling somebody else out of his life again, you know, he'd already had it. A you know a father figure in his life that was removed was he going to lose one every year like I was like oh gosh I don't know if I can you know maybe this isn't the right thing for him but I remember I was having a conversation with my mom about it and she was like well what the, you're not giving him enough credit he um you know he's already been through so much and you know obviously came out of it he, super strong super strong kid all these kids, you know, the way that they can move forward and just progress. It's like, that blows my mind. And it's like, she's like, you're not giving him enough credit. He's a really tough kid. You know, just make sure that you've got his best interest in mind and you're really, you really can't go too wrong. It's like, oh, okay. I'm glad I did everything I've done. I've, I've done for him and I'm glad I did it that way because now we're both, now we're both happier than we have ever been. That's true. And one of the things that I, that I always preach like crazy is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Karen Purvis or TBRI, it's trust-based relational interventions. Um, it's a, uh, it's a different model of, of taking care of kids in trauma than, you know, the old school model that I grew up with was, um, you do this or you get a whooping, right? Like I, I was, I was from the generation that, that did the switch dance. My mom had a switch. <laughs> she swore she didn't. She told my kids she'd never do that. You know, when she <laughs> yeah. night, she'd never do that. Yeah. I will tell you, yes, she would. And she did. And she probably <laughs> needed to. Good God, have mercy. I, I don't know that we were all angels. At least, at least my siblings weren't. I, I was. But, um, but yeah, you know, that, that was one model of parenting that was really popular for a long time. But when you're dealing with kids from trauma, a different approach to that whole discipline process is understanding trust-based relational interventions. And there's so much from Karen Purvis. She passed away a few years ago from cancer, but so much of her work is out there available on YouTube and all around. Uh, it's, um, I cannot remember. She worked with a couple other people as well. Um, actually, she, she worked with um, Melissa Corcoran. I know we, we interviewed her a while back and that one just, uh, just went live a couple of weeks ago that that episode did. But there's so much out there that that's coming available now to where we can learn to work with kids who've been through trauma in a way that serves them best because God knows we don't know how to do that just instinctively and building that relationship and having those kids be willing to follow you through those hard places is, is so very valuable because that do what I say, or I'm going to whoop you mentality doesn't, doesn't always work so well, you know, and I'm not even going to lie. You know, when, when we first had kids, you know, our young kids dealt with that version of me. And nowadays, my son, who is either 21 or 22, 22. Um, <laughs> yeah, our, our son is, is, he says to me, Dad, 
where was this guy when I was growing up? I'm like, he was still in the making, dude. <laughs> I was super young. I didn't know any better. You know, I was a dummy and sorry, but he wasn't there yet. And, and he sees the, the relationship that we, you know, the way that we, we parent through some of these other traumas with these kids. And, um, and so as we, we have those conversations now, I can see the value not only through our own eyes, but through the eyes of my son who, who grew in a whole different way. You know, he experienced that other side of it. So there, there's a lot of help out there for parents who are, who are dealing with kids of trauma. And, you know, make no mistake about it, even a kid who's, who's come through, you know, a, your, a situation like yours where it sounds to be a fairly amicable um, experience, they still, you know, losing a first parent, losing a, a bio mom is a trauma. Even if it wasn't a good situation, it's still a trauma. So as you guys have walked through this journey, what, what are some of the key things that you've learned that you never really would have expected to come through? Probably like the most unexpected thing that happened was me. You know, I thought that I was going to have a baby and then raise it in this perfect, healthy, happy immaculate beautiful home and life I thought everything was going to be lined up and flawless and I was going to make sure that from day one they were never neglected you know (laughs) we're just completely taken care of and you know I I've learned that or really it just I expected to do that I did not expect to the very first time I'm trying to be a mom it's to somebody who has you know she's it's like I thought that I was you know I thought some of us had rough childhoods you know rough growing up experience but I uh, from day one I got you know my kid already has he already had problems he already had fears, you know, irrational behaviors and stuff that I needed to figure out and figure out how to mom him through. And it was just like, I did not expect that. I thought that I was going to, you know, do the American dream. Um, but it, I also unexpected, um, but, but learned that that's not how, that's not how families are really made. That's not how things really happen you know, just my little two bedroom apartment is just as much of a home to me and my son as any home I was in when I was younger. You know, it's, it, it, you expect it to look one way, but it doesn't. And somehow that's okay. But that's definitely, that was the most unexpected thing for me, the whole thing. So as, as you have moved into this, this place in your life where you're, you're getting ready to put out this whole podcast, what is, what's kind of set your soul on fire that you really want to talk to people about? It was really inspired mostly by my, um, well, but by a couple things, like, you know, I, I kind of mentioned, I just want this to be more normalized. I think it's so important that this is just, everybody knows, every young girl knows that that chasing that American dream doesn't have to look like that. It, you, there are other ways to do it. You know, there are other ways to be fulfilled. There are other ways to mom, but, um, I definitely have always struggled with, since this has started, I've always struggled with my relationship with my son's bio mom. And I really wanted to, it kind of probably in a more deeper place came from me looking to heal that, looking like, oh, for a way to me to look, a way for me to look at that and, you know, really talk to other women about it. 
see like, you know, you've done this too. You, you, you've probably been in a situation like this. How, how do you feel about this? You know, is this like, I feel like just in talking to the people that I've already talked to a lot of these, these girls, I, they've given me a lot of information about their stories and it's just talking to them as regular people, not on a recorded line has been so enlightening and just very deeply moving, (laughs) very like, wow, we really need to be talking to each other. We really need to be talking to each other. That American dream looks different in in reality, but I think it's a lot more beautiful in the long run. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Well, it's been great talking to you on here today. Um, We're going to have to wrap up here because I hear the – I hear the minions in the other room and they've been quiet for hours and I can't believe they've been been so good for so many hours today. And pretty soon, if you can't hear the noise coming through, there is some sort of war occurring on the other side of this wall. So I think we're going to have to go out and check and make sure that they're just using finger guns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's a beauty of little boys, right? Right. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, I find like Nerf guns in my, or dark bullets in my cabinets, in my kitchen cabinets. I don't, I don't know how they get there. I don't know how. Oh, he's, he's like three feet tall. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> You'll have the stories when they get older and they tell you the real truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for all your time. And thanks for reaching out and trying to talk with other moms and you know, connect with people because that's the only way, you know, that we get better is to share stories and, you know, how, how we do things and what works and what doesn't. And so thanks for trying to spread the word for our kids. Same to you guys.